Welcome to the Diocesan Digest, your favorite source for all things going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. Today we are joined by the dynamic priest duo, Father Tim and Mother Kirsten Bear. Tim and Kirsten helped start a diocesan church plant in the city of Yukon, Oklahoma, called Grace Church. They recently broke ground on their new building on 6th and Mustang Road. In this episode, we chat about their background and dreams as young church planters coming alive and the great success story of Grace Church, Yukon. They share about their vision for the church, how they do evangelism, and what it looks like to make an Episcopal church more accessible to folks who aren't familiar with liturgical traditions. We can't wait to share this episode with y'all, so let's dive in. Here's Tim and Kirsten Bear. All right. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today. I am going to act like I don't know you because you are both my priests and this is my church, but I want the people to get to know you all a little bit and what's going on in Grace Yukon. Lots of amazing stuff happening. Yeah, sounds good. So, yeah. So let's start first. I think it's really interesting that you guys are both priests from Oklahoma and you're married. You have to be the only ones in our clergy, right? That are well, married priests. Uh, John and Lynn Borrego um, are married clergy couple in the diocese. Okay. Um, and David and Emily remember- just moved. They oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I can't remember if John and Lynn are from Oklahoma though or not. But, okay. I mean, we're raised here. I mean, we were both raised here. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just think that's so cool and directly affects the ethos of the church. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, like within Grace Church, yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think it I think kind of enhances kind of the family feel within the church. You know, and- and our kids are here raising kids here and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And why I was drawn to it was because of like the egalitarian leadership structure, right? Of, you know, this like balance of male and female power and leadership. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, that has shifted a little bit now that Kirsten's yeah. on staff at Grace Church during the week Yeah, when she, she transitioned to serving at Cassidy full-time and rather than being here part-time, then that shifted a little bit. Yeah. We're not able to split preaching 50, 50, uh, anymore because yeah. of time, but we did for a long time and, um, and started the church together. So I think that is part of the ethos as you were saying for sure. Yeah. And, and Kirsten, you're always visible. You're there, you're doing stuff, you celebrate, you do children's ministry. You're a part of it. And you're right. You both started together. And I think that's important. And I think a lot of times in like the national discussion of Grace Church, it gets it gets lost or I've seen it get lost that you are a huge part of starting the church, too. So I just wanted to name that. And that's why it's so I appreciate it. We work hard to make sure that that's not lost. (laughs) Yes, yes. But let's let's talk about the church. How to tell me a little bit about the background? How did you guys? It's a church plant, one of the few church plants in the last decade of the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. Just tell us how that got started and how y'all got put in charge. 
Sure. So um, well, during seminary, um, we had both felt a call to church planting and like starting a new congregation. And that call for me started like when I was a teenager growing up in the diocese. Um, so it's like been there since about when I was about 18, I started thinking about starting a new church. Um, but yeah, we had let Bishop Ed know during seminary that we would like to plant a church. Um, Kirsten, we both, you, we both took that church planting class in seminary, right? Mm-hmm. And, yep. was... and visited some of the church plants in Virginia and um, talked with different priests who had done this kind of work. Yeah. And we also looked at some of the fresh expressions in the UK and around the Episcopal Church, um, emerging communities um, during seminary. And then, yeah, when we, when we came back to Oklahoma, we served in Tulsa for a couple of years and then uh, Bishop Ed called us in and said, well, what do you all want to do next? And we were like, well, <laughs> you know that we would really love <laughs> yeah. to start something new. And, um, and, and he said, well, I've got like the next closest thing because uh, there had been an Episcopal church here in Yukon, um, Church of the Savior, that had had a tumultuous time in 2003, four, five during those tumultuous years of the church um, and a faithful, a faithful group had taken care of that church for the following decade after 2003. Um, but then in 2013, um, we were called to come in and kind of start something new and bring along as many people as possible from Church of the Savior uh, to join us in this new endeavor. Yeah, and it really took that Dawson like vision and focus on it to say we're going to pump in some resources and um, and kind of commission you all to do this to be able to restart something too. So Bishop Ed was a big part of making that happen and letting our dreams kind of take root, which was a lot of fun. That's so cool. And so tell us a little bit about like the community you've built and what your focus was and, and what that kind of the process of thinking through who do we want to target this church toward? Who is our audience in the Yukon community? Yeah, so we started off meeting with the people that were there and making sure they knew that we wanted um, to bring them along to get to know them and um, and have their their dream be a part of it too. And, and so we started meeting in our living room while the church was undergoing some renovation and just talking about like their experience of church um, who they know, one of the big conversations was a lot of them had kids who weren't in church and why did they think that was and what kind of church did they want to build for, for them? And, and just, it came clear the focus on um, welcoming all kinds of people, being an Episcopal church rooted in our, our liturgy and tradition, but making it more accessible to people um, who had never experienced it before. And, um, so it was really neat to be able to hear people's stories of church and, and their dreams of what even more that could be. Yeah. That night in our living room, when we kind of went around the circle and I realized that like, okay, of this like dozen people that had been part of that faithful group that had taken care of church, the savior, a bunch of them, like, I think half of them had kids and grandkids in the area and, and almost none of them had real serious church homes. And, um, and that's, that was like, a lot of people were sad about that. And so I think like 
tonight when the energy in our group started to really turn over and like um, blossom um, was we just, we went around and heard that and then we just named it and then looked, looked at them and said, you know, will you help us start a church that will reach that next generation, a church that your kids and grandkids want to be a part of. And there was just a collective energy that welled up in the room that night. And I think that really that, that, that became the catalyst for the, all the work that we did in the next year. Yeah. Cause obviously there was a lot of anxiety before that naturally um, within that group of what are these young priests coming in and trying to shake up and do. So, yeah. And then we went from there and that kind of reaching that next generation, making sure that we were intergenerational and, um, uh, reaching people who had felt kind of, um, well, some, some of the people in that group even had been new to the Episcopal Church, and they'd been there for some time at that point, but they re- they reflected on feeling like, um, you know, a, a square peg in a round hole and things like that. And we were like, you know, there's a lot of people and a lot of young adults that feel that way in particular. And so kind of reaching reaching people that, um, that love Jesus, liked the idea of church, but were a little bit skeptical, kind of became part of our target audience, I guess, since, since the early days. And then being in, in Canadian County, the Episcopal Church has a fairly small presence and always has, but there's a lot of people that grew up in evangelical churches and had kind of dropped out along the way. Um, what kind of church sociologists call post-evangelicals, um, people who grew up in those traditions um, but either theologically or um, just in their experience of the world, the complexities of life kind of stepped out or outgrew or changed or moved away from those traditions. Um, uh, and, and then a lot of people just stop looking around at, at, at church and don't realize that there's other options out there and other Christian traditions out there, particularly if you grew up in one your whole life. And so Um, Just slowly getting the word out about our church and uh, picking up momentum over the years has uh, been what's led us to where we are today. Yeah, a lot of relational work in those early days. We were just really trying to meet everyone we could meet and hear everybody's story and um, invite them to hear ours. And um, so it was a lot of fun and a lot of work. (laughs) And now, like uh, eight years later, the vast majority of our congregation grew up, you know, Baptist, Church of Christ, those kind of evangelical denominations or charismatic traditions, Pentecostal. Um, and, and so, I mean, that th- those um, trends did play out over the years and more and more, we did reach that group of people and um, continue, continue to. Yeah, it's kind of hard in that people kind of make jokes about the physical church not being the most um, focused on evangelism. But we really like we have something so beautiful to offer. We don't want to shove it down people's throats at all. Um, but I think there are so many people looking for a church like that 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 offers God's love and acceptance and a place to meet other people along that journey, um, trying to figure out faith and, and love Jesus and follow those values. And so that is something we should share and invite. Yeah, and liturgy and sacrament have been a big draw for us, like people who were kind of hungry for different ways to pray from daily prayer to Sunday worship. Um, you know, so, I mean, those are assets that we have and, and things that if we communicate them well and make them accessible that people actually do want. 
Yeah. I was saying, I think my experience with grace and the way y'all do evangelism, like it's really made the, the way evangelism can happen in the Episcopal church really come alive for me. And that word isn't a scary word, but it's literally the ethos of our church. Like we just want people to know that we are a space where God's love is for everyone, really no exceptions. And whether that be on the back of our t-shirts, you know, showing up to the pride parade or Tim and Kirsten, you guys are both very active in the community. You're going to rotary, you're going to meetings in the community, community events, um, posting on your social media about our church. And there's so many ways you are doing evangelism all the time. I think it's such a fresh expression for the Episcopal church writ large and things that, that, you know, not a lot of churches are doing yet that I've really appreciated, but what, what are some of those other tangible things that you've done in the church that have helped it be more accessible to folks who've never been a part of such a sacramental tradition? Well, really quickly, I also want to name that like the priests can be chief evangelists for the church, but ultimately it is invitation. Uh, it's, it's members sharing something life-giving that has the biggest effect. I mean, I would say now that as people come to us, a lot of them have heard about us from a friend, whether that's a, somebody who's a member or not. Um, sometimes we'll get people who said, Hey, my friend, so-and-so, uh, told me about Grace Church because of X reason, you know, um, they saw you in the Chuck, per, the Chuck Fest parade, or they saw you at pride, or they know about your laundry love ministry or whatever. And they told me about you. And like, it's somebody that I've never met now. So, you know, over the years that, that, uh, gravity kind of, of, um, our reach kind of, kind of grows. And so more and more people know about us. And so people, People, ref people do know about the ethos of our church. And so they share that with friends, you know, they may have a, they may love their Methodist church, but they tell their friend about Grace Church because they know that their friend would like it here. Um, and then our members um, just get better and better over the years at inviting people as well. Um, okay. So what, well, okay. So what are, what are some ways that we've kind of make it accessible? Yeah. Kirsten. So in part, I mean, I love the, the big tent of the Episcopal Church in all the different ways we can do liturgy and music and, and all of those things. We, um, we inherited a building with no organ, with already had screens on the um, walls. And so, and, and within that post-evangelical kind of landscape that we saw, we felt like um, a more, it's hard to come up with the word, um, contemporary is not a great word, but having a worship band and um, screens with the liturgy there made sense for us. Now that doesn't mean it makes sense for all Episcopal churches by any means, um, it doesn't in some, but for us, that was an easy way to make it accessible in that um, you didn't have to fumble with a prayer book or know exactly um, what was coming next. It was, it was there in front of you. Um, we also put lots of guidance within our worship guide of, why are people crossing themselves? Why are people doing these various different things? I'm um, just trying to explain a lot as we go along and be a place of, of invitation of do what is right for you. Not everybody has to do everything exactly the same way. Um, 
And so I think some of those really practical things help. And then also just the culture that we were trying to cultivate of, of being open and um, inviting and welcoming and, and not rigid about things, honestly, um, helped a lot too. All of that, yes. And Kyle and I, our music minister, we try to like name what what our music style is, and it's, I mean, it's contemporary liturgical music, yeah. right? So it's not your, it's not what's going on at um, any mega church in the metro or something like that, you know. And uh, when we did our, some we shared some of our music at, at Dyson Convention a few years ago. I <laughs> had so many people come up and say, well, that was nothing like what I thought. And that was, that was great. We really enjoyed it. You know, uh, especially some clergy colleagues who were a little bit skeptical of what we, they thought we might be doing out here. So, um, you know. And we had some say, that's great for you. I would exactly. not want that. And that's fine. Um, we are so blessed with our music minister. Like we hit the jackpot. He writes a lot of his own liturgical music and and other beautiful music. And so there is a very unique um, presence in that as well. So, mm -hmm. And some other things, you know, that I think we do really well at Grace Church and that have helped us grow and um, kind of um, welcome new people to the Episcopal Church um, is through our foundations class, our confirmation class. You know, over the years, we've confirmed over 100 people um, into the Episcopal Church, confirmed or received. Um, and, you know, I think it's, we do a really good job, I think, of helping people, helping make the tradition accessible just theologically and um, talking about scripture, tradition, and reason, um, talking about an Anglican approach to the Bible, um, moving people beyond like, well, I mean, a, a, a more childlike view of, of re reading the Bible. A lot of people grew up in Sunday school in whatever tradition and learn how to read the Bible at a fifth grade reading level, right? And so then, you know, critical thinking kicks in and they kind of push it aside because they never learned some new techniques. And so we try to help people with that. Um, we, uh, we do talk about theology. We have a Theology 101 course. Uh, we did it two years ago and then we didn't last year <laughs> we're about to do it again this fall we do a monthly everyone's a theologian um, um meeting where people can kind of explore uh different topics of faith and reflect on faith and life in really practical ways um you know so so i think that from foundations and the way we greet we help people ease into the episcopal church um through some of those other courses that we that we do here um those have been those have been big ways that we've helped make the tradition accessible Oh, and then also prayer school. It's one of the most favorite things we do here. I know Christ Church in Tulsa does one as well because uh, Everett and I work a lot together on our curriculum and uh, ministry planning and stuff. Um, and so, you know, we teach the daily office and contemplative prayer practices and things like that and help people go move from prayer is me kind of making a spiritual dump on God of the thing, both the things I'm thankful for and where I need help, which is awesome. And like, that's part of prayer. Yes. But then we have these other structures of prayer that can hold up just a, a broader prayer life and that creates some rhythms and routines. And that's what Anglicans are good at. Um, and honestly, my, the charismatics in our church um, who kind of grew up in those charismatic traditions, charismatic tradition are praying traditions. They love to pray. We love to pray. It's a natural like segue. It's just a very different style. And, um, but 
but many of them who are coming to us want to leave that style. So like they really, then they need something to replace it and they need a new theology of, of prayer and style of prayer and prayer resources. And so we've got that. And that's what people I found are really hungry for is a new, a fresh expression of prayer life or, or realizing that what they're already doing is prayer and we just don't name it that in the evangelical space. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Well, tell us, yeah. let's, let's shift a little now to like the new building. Like when did, when did y'all start dreaming about a new building? This is a big deal. Y'all just broke ground last week. Bishop came out. We did a big hoopla. It was a beautiful ceremony. It was so cool. Very dramatic with the big, you know, what are those yeah. big digging machines? I don't know. The big tractors and yeah. the, diggers. the diggers. I don't know. I don't it was awesome. Y'all did such a good job with that. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about how that came about and where we're going. Sure. Yeah, and really quick, side note, like the, the architects and builders, they said that to me after uh, they said, we have never been to a groundbreaking like this. And I was like, I was like, oh yeah. They said, that was so cool. That was so neat. <laughs> said, yeah, it's in our book of occasional services. So, you know, we tweaked it a little bit like we do everything at Grace Church. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it was just funny to hear their reactions. Um, well, I mean, shortly after we got in the building, ministries that we were making plans for, that we would outgrow it. Um you know, uh, the facility here at 720 South Yukon Parkway has one portable building. That's the one true classroom and then a nursery. So two, I guess, two true classroom areas and that's it. There's no gathering space. The parish hall is in a separate building that you have to walk across, you know, um, a little courtyard uh, garden area to get to, um, but it's not covered. Like it's a whole separate building. Um, there's no, um, you know, passageway or anything that's covered. Um, so there's just some limitations. There's 60 parking spots. Um, there's three handicap spots, you know, just from parking to classrooms to sanctuary space, everything had some limitations that like, okay, this is a building that was built for, you know, a hundred people on a Sunday, um, and didn't really have the master planning or, or the acreage to like grow beyond that, frankly. And so we kind of grew to 150, 160 on a Sunday, and then have really been stuck there for the last like three years. And uh, the, your building always wins. And I like to make the analogy um, from natural church development that um, Tony Moon helped us with in the diocese with a number of years ago of a, the potted plant. And like, you know, a plant only grows so big and then you got to get a bigger pot for it to keep growing like it maxes out you can add more fertilizer you can add more water uh, you can add more sunlight but if the pot is too small and there's not enough soil it's just not going to grow any larger and 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 that's true of churches too um uh in the natural church development language and so we knew that we would need more space in order to continue our growth um and um um we started making plans. Um, we started with some seed money gifts like two, two and a half years ago, um, you know, so to help us get, get started on that. And um, um, in 2020, well, in 2019, we started a whole uh, kind of listening process of the next five years. Where do we want to go? What, what ministries do we want to see flourish? And, you know, what limitations do we have there? 
and obviously the building was one of those that came up a lot um, in that conversation, both of limitations and like, okay, if we have these ministry plans and goals, how are we, how are we going to get there? And so over, t- over time, we started then meeting with an architect and dreaming up some, some basics uh, for this new building. And um, uh, so that was like a year process. Um, met with a capital campaign consultant to start thinking about our capacity. Um, meeting a lot with uh, Bishop Ed in that time as well. Um, uh, and, and, you know, because we're a diocesan church plant. And so um, making sure that all of, all of that communication was going on. And then in, on March 1st of 2020, we officially launched our Growing in Grace Capital Campaign. Mm-hmm. Oh, Great timing. So much energy in the church that January, February, March, you know, from our annual meeting leading into the campaign. Um, we, were, we were growing in Sunday attendance, all this energy, and then bam, we just like, you know, hit the wall that everyone else did and, um, uh, with the pandemic. And so we decided to um, uh, extend the timeline of our capital campaign was the way that, that we articulated it because we, we weren't like pausing everything, so to speak. We were just obviously slowing down and um, we wanted to make sure we were taking care of our members in those early months of the pandemic when trying to figure out what was coming, all that stuff. And um, we had already raised at that point in a silent phase um, about half a million dollars. Uh, and we had some early commitments for another 250000 or $300,000 um, that weren't officially pledged, but were on a, on a commitment survey were, were given. So like, you know, we knew, we knew there was a lot of energy within the church and um, passion for it. And everybody saw the need. Um, 99% of the respondents in, in January said that, that this was absolutely the direction the church needed to go. And so over the summer, we did some discernment about, um, whether or not we should move forward or not. And ultimately the, the, the leadership of the congregation said yes. And, um, Bishop Ed and Bishop Polson, we met with and kind of expressed that and, and, and they were ready to move forward as well. And so, we uh, kind of completed our Growing in Grace campaign in the fall of 2020, um, and uh, we've raised almost almost 1.1 million dollars um, through that. And um, and yeah, we are uh, decided we were ready to move forward. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. What talk about the new features of the church, or what what was important? You know, I was on the building, one of the building campaigns, just dreaming about what we needed in the space. What were some defining things? You said something about, you know, obviously more classrooms, but what else? Yeah, cl- and Classrooms, parking, um, our kitchen is a lot bigger, so it'll help support both our communal needs and some of our outreach needs. Um, the um, sanctuary. The gathering space being right off the sanctuary to like a place to really welcome um, people in and, and have space also after service, just to gather right there. Um, all of it is very intentional about hospitality and, and being that kind of welcoming place. Yeah, our, our sanctuary capacity will increase 50% in phase one. Um, so, you know, it just gives us the space we need as we, as we 
continue forward. Um, doing a new building also gives you the ability to dream and, and be very theologically intentional. So we are putting the altar at the, the center and um, having that be the place we gather around um, and kind of doing church more in the round. Um, if you want to talk more about that, Tim. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, um, I mean, similar to St. Augustine's new setup, it was interesting because they were having com- that conversation at the same time we were, and then Joseph kind of unveiled his plan. And I was like, hey, that's exactly what, what we're talking about in grace. And so we got to sit down and uh, talk about that and how they were doing it there and, um, uh, and things like that. So that actually helped us in our, in our design. Um, and then for us, integrating uh, screens into being in a semicircle and how to do that. So, you know, we had some other logistical things that were a little different. Um, but, uh, but yeah, with, I mean, the idea is that when you are, when you're gathered for worship, um, you're going to be able to see some of the faces of people sitting across from you and um, authentic relationships is a piece of our rule of life here at Grace. And so that's going to shine through right in our space and in our worship. Uh, and then each week we gather around the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the table and and so uh, the proclamation of scripture and the celebration of the sacraments is going to be right in the center of our worship space. And so our space will, our liturgical space will articulate our, our worship values right away. I'm, I'm very excited about that. I love being in the round. It just, mm, it's everything. It's everything. St. Augustine's did such a good job with their space and I know ours is going to be. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a good kind of um, example of what what you can do with space and make it feel so so inclusive and so just like embodying, like you said, Tim, our ethos and our rule of life. It's just going to be so apparent. Yeah, and there's lots of flexibility in the space too because we we all have stackable chairs. Um, similar to like St. Patrick's and Broken Arrow. And there's a couple churches that have chairs. Um, um, St. Augustine's does too. But I don't think there's, well, there's stack a little bit. Um, uh, but anyway, the, um, but the, I, I mean, the idea is that in our space, flexibility of square footage is key so that we don't need a parish hall right away. We have a really pretty large gathering space and then, um, and then the sanctuary. And so if we do like a, a dinner for the entire congregation or something, we can use both those spaces to accommodate us without needing to build several thousand more square feet. Uh, so we've tried to be as efficient as possible to have as little hallway space as possible, um, to have as much things be multi-purpose space as possible. So lots of flexibility in our design. And people can see, uh, uh, I mean, it's changed a little bit over over the period um, since last October, um, but people can see a rendition of basically pretty much what it's going to be um, on our on our website at graceyukon.org/growingandgrace. Great, and is that a, a place people go, could go if they want to donate or get involved with the campaign? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there, you can see a nice video of us uh, and uh, some of the leaders of our church um, are. are building committee chairs and um, our senior warden um, talking about the vision of the campaign um, and the needs of the church and what that's going to open up for us. Um, and then, yes, we've, we have had several, um, several Episcopalians make um, three-year commitments towards our campaign, which has been awesome. Um, and uh, we're going to do a special gifts campaign 
later this fall to help with furniture and fixtures. And so we still do need help, yes. And um, people can give online right there at the Growing in Grace page on our website. Uh, the, this fall, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of release more details about our, our special gifts emphasis. Um, and that will be sometime this fall where we're waiting on the, the building. It'll, it'll be once our building is a little bit, way, a little ways along, we'll kick that off with a, a special event at the new building where we'll sign the steel and uh, uh, kind of make our mark on that, on that space and lift up our prayers. But that, that, that'll help us a ton. Um, I've already had a couple of rectors in that area say, Hey, we want to help you out. You know, we're going to do a special offering at our church for, for your special gifts campaign um, and uh, see if we can't. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, that is amazing, amazing support. Um, and we appreciate it so much. You know, we're, we're growing. We have a very generous congregation, but uh, I mean, it's going to be a stretch over the years as we grow into the new new space and as new giving takes on that loan and things like that. I mean, it's going to be a big stretch for us, but we feel like it's where God's led us in um, the support of the diocese um, and you know the sale of this building and things like that. Support of the diocese all along the way has been there for us, but also it's amazing that we've got. Uh, other other Episcopalians and churches who are kind of stepping up and saying, hey, we see good things that you're doing and we want to support you. So that means the world to us. Yeah, we have. We felt that support all along um, through people's prayers and just encouragement and then tangible gifts too. It's been pretty incredible. All right. Susan's got a question. She's breaking her silence over here. (laughs) So we've broke ground. What's next? Sure. So um, we are we're working with the architect and builder on um, on just cutting uh, anything that we don't possibly need, because as everyone knows, building costs of are high right now. Um, So we unfortunately got caught terrible timing from 2019 when we started this process to now with a pandemic and now like a price spike. So we've worked really hard to bring it super close to where it was a couple months ago, budget wise. And, um, and then as we finalize that budget in the next couple of weeks, um, we'll hope to, that they're going to start moving dirt uh, here in mid, mid July. And, um, and it's 12 to 13 months to build. So fall sometime fall of 2022 is when we'll be moving in. And um, that fall we'll consecrate the new space with Bishop Paulson and, um, and yeah, we'll start settling in and um, working our, working our ministry plan. So the area is in a neighborhood. Um, why was that area picked and what was the ethos behind that? Sure. Well, so the location is at 6th and North Mustang Road. And so it's right off of I-40 and the Turnpike. In fact, uh, if you're coming from North Oklahoma City and, um, or Northwest Oklahoma City, uh, South Edmond, where we have some members that live and all those, all those areas, uh, they can take the turnpike down and just the, the exit to I-40 really dumps you off on a Mustang road, actually. And so it'll make it even easier for folks that live in Mustang, Northwest OKC, even our members that live as far as the Plaza District, um, just to come to, to come here. So it makes us more accessible and uh, increases our square mileage of what's in a driving range for us. Uh, and then it's there there's several areas of Yukon that have a lot of churches like four five churches right packed next to each other and this is not one of them so we tried to choose an area that was not 
overpopulated with churches. And, um, uh, and yes, we back up to, I think, 500 homes and then a couple hundred more on the other side of the street too. So accessibility, close to residential areas, uh, and it really kind of, lots of people do commute to Grace Church. And so being right off I-40 and the Turnpike, um, I think is a, a good place for it to be. Sweet. Yeah, we got some members down in Weatherford too. So we do. We got members in Weatherford, uh, Norman. Um, so yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, people people do drive to come to Grace. We're just kind of unique in several ways. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for your for your time. This has been wonderful, and I'm I'm so excited to share the good news of what God's up to at Grace. And so I've been so blessed to be a part of it, and so blessed to to be just to be friends with y'all, not only y'all my priests, but you're my, you're my brothers and sisters. And so I'm, I just feel so lucky to be so intimately attached, but our diocese is super lucky to have y'all's leadership and just so excited to have this community in the diocese and what a, what a shining, beautiful example of, of spreading God's love. So thank you all so much for all you do and for giving us a little bit of your time. Thank you, Sarah. We love you. Yeah, we're excited for you for your next year. And Susanna, we're excited to have you on board in the Diocese of Oak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Be sure to sign up for the Diocesan newsletter at our website, epiok.org slash newsletter. And follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on what's going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. See y'all next week, and peace be with you.